This is the English Heritage Podcast. Hello and welcome back to your weekly podcast into England's past. I'm Charles Rowe. Coming up, we're at Belsay Hall, Castle and Gardens in Northumberland for a light and sound art experience. Actually, interestingly, you hear the installation before you see it. When you enter Belsay Hall, you can already hear the music. So you're kind of drawn because of the music. We'll hear about Belsay's strong tradition of hosting contemporary art. And there's been some really famous designers who have come here and been inspired by the place and the atmosphere that it gives. We've got the space for it, but we've also got a fantastic backdrop to really showcase it. And we'll explain where you need to go to find out more about it. Don't forget you can get the English Heritage Podcast every Thursday, so make sure you subscribe to never miss a moment. Now, this week we're in Northumberland to take part in an art experience. And there's a small clue about the composer there. It's an exhibit that contains sights, sounds, colours, shape and musicality. And it's here at Belsay Hall, Castle and Gardens, about 15 miles northwest of Newcastle, where you can sample it. Now, the property has a strong tradition of hosting modern art displays, which blend history with the contemporary. But as we're about to discover, this one is a bit different. Hi, I'm Samantha Shotton. I'm the property manager here at Belsay Hall, Castle and Gardens. Well, it's a lovely day in Northumberland. The breeze is up a little bit this morning, but blue skies, probably the longest drive that I've ever <laughs> driven along. There's a lake, there's lots of wildlife, pheasant, sheep, blue tits I think I saw, yeah. and I even think I heard a woodpecker earlier. Oh, you might have done, yeah. It's, it's a really beautiful sight here at Belsay. Can you tell us whereabouts we're standing and what we're looking at? Yeah, of course. So we're just standing here in front of the of Belsay Hall. It's a Grecian hall built, finished around 1817. As you can see, it's got a quite austere and unusual exterior and something that really makes it stand out as you come down that drive. It's a lovely reveal to see it sat in the countryside. A very square block um, of sandstone. <laughs> it is, yes. Yeah. So it's sandstone with iron ore. So those little pockmarks you can see, they are iron ore that was naturally in the sandstone. And this was built by Sir Charles Monk and he was very meticulous. He had a very good plan about what he wanted and he wanted to make sure it was quite a square building. It was meticulously measured and this is all part of his design. We've also got a sta stable block to the right hand side. Mm -hmm. It is quite an unusual stable block. When this house was built so Charles Monk actually moved a village to create what he wanted to create for his hall and his gardens and with that he's built this fantastic stable block with a clock as well and I did mention it earlier but just to let you know our team actually climb into that clock tower and wind it every week just to make sure that it still keeps ticking along and it's very own Belsay time. It's currently <laughs> showing quarter to 11 but is that the correct time? It's a little bit out. We're always about five minutes fast here at Belsay, but it means we're always on time. <laughs> Excellent, because then you've always got five minutes to get somewhere. Exactly, yeah. Well, let's head up towards the entrance to the hall. And we are quite obviously exposed here. The wind is rushing slightly over the microphone. Yeah. But what's the weather normally like up here? Um, well, we're in Northumberland, so we do get a mix of the weather. But what's quite interesting up here at Belsay, obviously you've come on an October day and it's blue skies and sunshine. 
um, and you can see fantastic views here. If we go into the gardens later, we've actually got a, a little microclimate going on because the quarry walls are so high. So it could be the warmest place in Northumberland on a, on a bad day, but don't worry, the hardy people of Northumberland, they can, they can weather it. So even <laughs> around Christmas time, you could catch a bit of winter sun and feel nice and warm in that spot? Yeah, you could. You could. If you get the right spot in the uh, right facing of the hall, you could definitely be warm here. But also, in the snow, it looks absolutely beautiful. Yes, I saw some pictures on the website. Okay, let's go up the steps then. These are wooden steps with a handrail just mm -hmm. to make sure that people are safe as they get through. Yeah. And past these giant columns. You've got a little fact about these columns, haven't you? Yeah, so with columns, quite often what happens in design is that they are built not straight so that when you look at them, they look straight. However, Sir Charles Monk, he was meticulous. He wanted to make sure his columns actually were straight. So ironically, they don't look straight if you look at them. The optical illusion is that they appear to taper outwards. They do, yeah. I mean, they're such, they're huge columns and they're really imposing. I think they really give Belsay this iconic entryway that we're looking, looking at here. And as you said, when you come down the drive, you can see the columns. There's no mistaking it. So it really does make for a grand entrance. And as you look back towards the landscape as well, we've got the circular grass and all that landscape to look at, the sheep in the distance. But our gardeners make sure that they keep this as lush and, and green as they possibly can, and it really just leads you straight into the landscape. It's a lovely frame. Yes. It's almost like um, a widescreen view, but with the TV tilted vertically. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. You get acres of sky, um, but also you've got all of that Northumbrian countryside to catch the eye as well, as well as the sheep. <laughs> it's really beautiful. Okay, so in we go to sort of like the austere mm -hmm. entrance. And as people can tell uh, from the sound, the ceiling is very tall in here. Yes. And the floor is stone. So this is a continuation of the sandstone and iron ore, which actually you can see it, it wears down differently to whether it's a bit of iron ore. So it is, it is a little bit uneven, but it gives it a nice character, I think. And it just leads us straight with a view, straight through to the pillar hall. OK, so let's go into the pillar hall going through a couple of wooden double doors. And what's really interesting here is we're standing on the edge of the pillar hall. We've got a skylight at the top with a kind of Georgian set of windows, as you might expect, yeah. but they are the skylight. And then we're looking at more columns, but they're yes. a lot thinner than the ones outside. These ones are probably about a couple of feet wide. Yeah, I'd say so. It's almost like we're walking into a Grecian market and yet we're inside. Well that's it, I mean I think Sir Charles Monk would be over the moon, that, that's what you said. As you can see from the curly patterns this is very Grecian inspired and the whole hall was inspired by a honeymoon to Greece. We looked at it and we thought yeah this is exactly the style I want to build my house in and like you say you get that really grand feeling that's created by the columns but you also do get that inside outside feel especially with the natural light coming in. It's just, it's just fantastic, it just continues that grand entrance all the way through to the very centre of the house. This is bang in the centre. It takes you up to the upper floor as well. It's double height. So actually you really do get that sense of grandeur. So give us a bit more of the history and how it came to be so sort of empty today. Well, what's quite interesting about the family here, we've got, I mentioned we've got a whole castle and gardens. Our family originally lived in the castle. And then on Christmas Day in 1817, they packed up their belongings and they moved into this hall here. And it was also very deliberately done. The gardens were carved out of the rock, knowing they were going to be gardens. And we get this fantastic space here. Now, I mentioned about Sir Charles Monk. He was quite meticulous. He designed this, and he was only in his early 20s, which... <laughs> 
I wasn't designing houses in my early 20s, um, but he designed everything right down to the inch. He wanted it to be square, he wanted it to be even, and it is measured down to three decimal places. He was so meticulous about getting it right and getting his particular style. He wanted it to be functional, but he wanted it to be beautiful and a really good example of what he had seen. So you might have noticed when we looked at the front of the house, there's no signs of any drainage or anything like that all through the walls and that was to make sure that it did have that beautiful clean finish it's caused us some problems since as you can imagine but it does give us that beautiful smooth finish and what he's been able to do is just emulate that throughout he clearly had a strong sense of what he wanted to achieve here and I think for what he's achieved he has done unfortunately these houses are quite expensive to upkeep and it did come into our care in 1980 by which point there wasn't a family collection of furniture left but what's fantastic and one of the things that the family were quite keen for us to keep is because of that, it's so stripped back. We can see the architecture, we can appreciate what's been done, we can see how it's been constructed. And we're kind of in a unique position with that. It also allows our visitors to really use their imagination and cast onto this building what they want to imagine. We've got a bit of a history of, of holding contemporary art exhibitions here and there's been some really famous designers who have come here and been inspired by the place and the atmosphere that it gives and this is just a great way for our visitors to engage in a different way and, and understand that culture we've got the space for it but we've also got a fantastic backdrop to really showcase it next it's time to enter the library to meet the creator of belsay hall's latest exhibition memory and light which features the music of arvo part so my name is Claire Farrow, I'm an independent curator and writer and I curated and developed this project, Memory and Light, for Belsay Hall. So welcome to the library in Belsay Hall in Northumberland. Thank you very much for inviting us here Claire. Now first of all to set the scene, what does the installation look like? So actually, interestingly, you hear the installation before you see it. When you enter Belsay Hall and you go into the beautiful Grecian-style Pilar Hall, you can already hear the music. So you're kind of drawn into the library because of the music. When you enter the library, what you see in front of the ochre marble fireplace is a very beautiful, transparent, curved screen, which is almost like a kind of abstract harp with coloured perspex fins. And then you see a kind of figure of eight shaped leather bench, um, which is upholstered in this beautiful brown natural leather. You see a pair of headphones and of course you hear the music and then you also see from the library space, which is full of the empty bookshelves, you see these views of the landscaped gardens outside Belsay Hall. And you brought this creative exhibition to Belsay Hall, but it wasn't here originally, was it? Where was it first? It was first conceived for the Norfolk House Music Room, which is in the V&A in London, which is an extraordinary room because it was designed and created in 1756. But Norfolk House was actually demolished in the 1930s, but the V&A rescued panel by panel this very beautiful 18th century music room. So Memory and Light was first commissioned for the Norfolk House Music Room for London Design Festival in 2018. 
it's still and silent and empty. And I thought how amazing to bring this installation with Arvo Part's music um, and Arab's design and bring this space to life again, which we're now doing at Belsey Hall. And it puts it in a different context, doesn't it? We're still in a slightly empty space, but we have different colours around us in the sense we have a lot of rich natural browns from the empty bookshelves, as you mentioned, sort of warmer, earthier tones with the wooden floor. And yeah. It's so interesting when you, when you take an installation to a different place. And the idea behind Memory and Light is it's a meeting between music and design, but it's also in dialogue with the architectural space. And the music is very simple, very meditative. Arvo Part takes a very humble approach. Bringing memory and light to Belsey Hall, in a way, the, the space, it suits it so well. It suits the music so well. And there's something, because it's, it's empty and it's kept unfurnished and there's no attempt to recreate what it was in the past, it has that kind of truth to it and truth is absolutely fundamental to Arvo Part's music and which is why I think it communicates in such a universal way to people. Then of course there, there are things that are added to memory and light by bringing it to Belsey Hall. There's the encounter with nature so you can sit on the bench, you can listen to the music, experience the screen of coloured light, but at the same time you can look out of these beautiful windows and you can see trees and you can see the green grass, different shades of green, the sky, and you can see the sunlight or the rain or the movement of the wind. And it really adds so much because Arvo Part himself lives and works in the middle of a pine forest in Estonia. So that's added a great deal to it. And, and also being in a library. There's a new Arvo Part Centre, which the composer has created with his family. It's for his legacy. It's to preserve all of his music manuscripts, his sketches, his books, his letters. And in that centre that opened in 2018, there is a library with his own collection of personal books that he collected on his travels as a composer around the world. So there's this lovely connection with Sir Charles Monk, who created Belsey Hall, who travelled, did his grand tour, and came back and created this with this beautiful library. So, yeah, it's very... It, while there, of course, it's the same installation, it has taken on new meaning as well by being in Belsey Hall. And I should say that the, the whole installation, the whole idea, was inspired by words that he wrote in his musical diaries. I could compare my music to white light which contains all colours. Only a prism can divide the colours and make them appear. This prism could be the spirit of the listener. You know, even though this is music that was composed in 1970s and the, the last piece, the, the voice piece, was composed in 2004, but there's this beautiful dialogue, I think, between this mathematical space and the music. 
And you can sit there with your eyes open, taking it all in, looking up, looking across, looking around the semicircle of colours. Or you mm. could just close your eyes. Mm. We have the sun coming through on your back, maybe at lunchtime as it's facing south, and experience it that way as well. So you don't necessarily have to be looking. You could just have your eyes and your thoughts and calm contemplation. Yes, that's right. And that's very much what the composer would like you to do, but it's also very much what Arup would like you to do. And the reason why the bench is designed in that way, interestingly, it looks rather like a cello or a violin, but actually the reason why Stephen Phillips designed it in that shape is so that however many people are sitting on it, they're never facing each other. So they can sit, even like, you know, maybe 10, 12 people could sit around on that bench and have their own individual personal experience, like you say, with their eyes open or with their eyes closed. But they don't have to be looking at each other. So it's a very personal individual experience and that's what is so important to Arvo Part. And he struggled so hard to find his own voice and he wants people to find their own experience. And it's a funny thing, really, because it's, it's transcendental, because it's communal. Everyone sitting around a bench, potentially, but facing out and having their own thoughts. Yeah. So it's very much both communal, universal, and individual. That's right. So um, it's, and it's a collaboration between Arvo Part and Arup. But at the same time, you can experience the design in its own right, the music in its own right. And for people, yes, they can come together in this beautiful library space in Belsay Hall. They can be sitting together on that bench, listening to the music together. But at the same time, they are also within themselves, experiencing the colours and the light and the thoughts and the emotions that are within them. And I suppose at the end it's very much about the the spirit or the soul of the composer and the listener and also here of Belsay Hall because even though it's empty you experience it all these resonances of history and its past you know you can almost hear the the voices you know that we're here you know in the 18 in, in 1817 and that's something that is really moving and exciting for me as the curator the most sensitive musical instrument is the human soul. The next is the human voice. You've been listening to the English Heritage Podcast. If you'd like to see and hear Arvo Part's memory and light sound installation at Belsay Hall, it's on until the 12th of January, 2020. We're back next week, visiting Down House, the home of Charles Darwin, and the very room where he wrote his most famous work. Until then, don't forget to like, comment, share, subscribe, and give us a rating. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Hello, this is Josie Long, here to tell you about Speaking With Shadows, a podcast series from English Heritage, presented by me. With the help of researchers and local community members, I'll bring you six stories from history that we should all be talking about. Subscribe to Speaking With Shadows, the podcast that listens to the people that history forgot, and get every episode delivered to your podcast feed for free. I can't wait for you to hear this show.